Into the Nexus is a production of AMove.tv. Bookmark AMove TV for other great video games and esports podcasts. Into the Nexus is sponsored by listeners like you via patreon.com slash ITN. Welcome to Into the Nexus. This is Into Nexus episode 346. I will be your host today, Kyle Ferguson. Garrett is on vacation, but I am joined for patch notes by Not Paradox. Not Paradox, welcome back. <clears throat> Thank you for having me back. Yeah, hello, hello. It uh, It's going to be a fun one, I think. Um, the patch notes were unexpected as far as like, I, I knew like Gazlo and Diva would get a nerf, but I, sure. the rest of the, the roster, I was like, I don't really know what they're going to do with it. So it was kind of fun to see what they had planned. Yeah, there's a bit of shifting <clears throat> around. There's also a new surprise in the form of a Warhead Junction update. So let's just dive right into it because we're going oh, yeah. to be chewing on this for an entire show. There's a lot to talk about. And uh, if we run out of things to talk about, we can always talk about my teams and their various struggles and figuring out who they are, where they're going, and what we'll be yeah. playing in the Heroes Lounge uh, events coming up. Anyway, uh, Warhead Junction received an update and a bit of a surprise to me. They mentioned that they wanted to get rid of a primary strategy where both teams would take the swarm host and then charge at cores and see who could win the charge. Mm-hmm. I've I've never experienced this in quick match, but I guess there are more organized plays at times of Warhead Junction. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Warhead's definitely one of those that has the weirdest strats that most of them revolve not actually fighting the opposing team. Um, there's like a push strat that's just extremely common. There's also just like split pushing every lane. There's Zagara who will just push one lane and then just uh, Nidus network to another lane. Um, there's, there's so many strats and none of them are fun. Um, and that's kind of where it, it's been for a while to the point that when it was in the ranked rotation, like it was the most despised maps and you'd see the weirdest things coming out. Then it left the ranked rotation for a long time and has not been back. And it, I mean, for good reason, this map was it, it just like unless you get like a really powerful global hero uh, or you just can convince everyone on your team to just push bot. It's just not a fun map. Um, but the changes they made are cool. Like, in my opinion, they're really cool. Yeah. So what they went through is uh, they, they got rid of the bottom junk swarm host. They added an additional site tower basically in its place. So there's now one in the middle top, one in the middle bottom. But mm -hmm. Sam the bread on those site tower sandwiches, and the meat would be the middle lane, is a new, <laughs> they called it the sewage tunnel, which has a big glowing sewage tunnel over the top of it. And I kind of don't want to ride it because of the name, but it allows <laughs> you to move from the bottom half of the map to the top half of the map without ever being seen by the middle lane. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, my initial thoughts on it was, well, okay, how is this going to affect the objective, right? Um, but then I 
I got a, a couple of groups together and we did some scrims on it and we found some really interesting things. So people like the initial game, Leoric was double soaking bot and top. And I thought that was interesting um, because oh, he was just using the, yeah. the, the thing, right? Because you maintain and, mounts uh, when you go through. Yeah, well, yeah. So it's like he, he was able to double soak top and bot. And I was like, <laughs> that's really interesting. And then the next game, um, what I wanted to do was I wanted to see if I could triple soak. So I played KT because I was like, I just want to see if a normal, like naturally there's people who can triple soak on their own that, that are, I mean, at certain levels. But I was like, I want to try just a standard mage. So I played KT. And if the, the only problem I had is like when someone realized where you were going, they could like, they could try to fight you at the tunnel. But you could actually triple soak. And the, the reason for it is because you go from mid you wipe mid which kt as of like level i don't know five six or something can instantly wipe a wave um with just a trait wq and then that puts your q on an eight second cooldown or seven eight eight second cooldown your your w will be on no cooldown your trade will be on a six you go down to the bottom lane you do the same thing then you go up to the the tunnel you go to the top lane you grab top and then as you get back down to mid the middle wave is crashing and it's like you you lose about you lose some time, but if you do it perfectly, or if you could play someone with a little bit more movement speed, like a mouth ale potentially, you could triple soak on that map now because you can go in that circle where no other map you can go in that circle. Like you could triple soak on like um like tomb because it's small and you can just go up and down, but you're you might miss some soak on like the top because you have to go from like top mid bot and then to get back to top you have to go to mid and you probably miss soak on top so triple soaking in like tombs it's possible but it's difficult this map you can actually go in a circle unlike most other maps and so you can actually triple soak so that was game two i was triple soaking as kt and then you just need enough distraction so it's like you can almost play the lost vikings role as any hero in the game any hero that has fast enough wave clear you can play as if you're the Lost Vikings and you just have the rest of your team just hard pushing. So it creates a weird possibility on that map because there's so much more than I initially thought. Interesting. Uh, may, did you get a chance, by the way, to see if you were interruptible while trying to ride the sewage tunnel? Yes, I, I, I got stunned and a lot. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure that you also get interrupted by any damage when okay. you, when you do that. I'm like 99% sure because there, I got interrupted a lot. Um, so it is interruptible. Like you have to apply enough pressure. You have to, if you're going to triple soak, which you don't need to, but if you're going to triple soak, double soaking is reasonable because it's just your solo lane, just doing whatever he does. Double soaks top and mid double soaks, top and bot can kind of do whatever. This is a great map for solo laners. That's all I'm going to say. But, um, the uh it, i'm pretty sure it's interruptible with damage because it's like i was getting interrupted all the time uh it, again if you're gonna triple soak you need to run it like a vikings comp where there's just so much of pressure pressure applied in a lane that it forces everyone to go there and then you just have one person triple soaking which you don't even need to triple soak because everyone's gonna be in one lane so you can just double soak at that point but either way it sounds like they found a way to make it more accessible less needy of these really unique heroes and comps while still making it unique enough that we don't have the garden of terror experience where we have that homogenization happening it's a mm -hmm. fascinating 
balance issue because on paper, things like Blackheart's Bay chests that are opened by Lucio Tracer really fast or all sorts of other aura effects are a cool avenue of those maps for victory. The amount of attention to camps on Blackheart's Bay. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it just doesn't feel like a map we want to be competitive on. So do yeah. you see this sewage tunnel business allowing it to re-enter a competitive environment? I would say it's stage one. Um, and, and the reason I say it that way is it still has the problem of when there's like three to four bombs spawning, it kind of feels bad because it's like, especially when there's like, like there are times where it's like two bombs spawning on the bottom and then there's a bomb at middle and there's a bomb at top. And it's like, there is no way you can have like actual team fights. Um, if if the objectives are like that, I would almost rather them make the bombs spawn more often, but um, in smaller amounts, hmm. like two bombs, one bomb, one bomb, one bomb, two bombs, and just more often, much faster, um, rather than how it's currently at where bombs take a little while to spawn, then they spawn in th- three or four different areas. And everyone just gets a couple bombs, but then it might be too similar to like towers. So maybe this is okay. And I'm just being dumb about it. Um, But yeah, I would say that we're definitely in like stage one of this map being a ranked map. Um, Let's see if this, how this works and find the new problems that this might create and potentially change it. Um, But yeah, I, I, I like this change. I didn't, I wasn't a hundred percent sure of it until I played on it. And I was like, it's fun. It allows for some really wonky stuff. And if you're playing someone who can double soak, you're going to feel like the world. Like you're going to feel like you're the, the coolest thing around. Cause like you can double soak top and mid, then you can go double soak top and bot. Then you can double soak bot and mid. Like you literally can do whatever you want to. The world is your oyster. If you are playing a, a soul laner that can double soak, it's crazy. That's interesting. So maybe we can still have these wild, crazy moments where there are five bombs at once. Mm-hmm. But like Towers of Doom, you got to give us just for our own team's sake. Uh, 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 story capper. Uh, yeah. Conclusion maker. What is this one fight where one bomb is being contested and we all go for it? Oh, yeah. OK, so hear me out. I don't know if they can actually do this, but what if they have the a bunch of these small bombs that just spawn all the time. And then every once in a while, there's a big bomb. Like, like one that does something different. Um, one that maybe like, it's like a radiation bomb or something that you, it, you, you, it drops down and it just leaves like stitches bile for a while or something where like it does what the normal bombs do, but it also leaves like a damage over time. So not only does it zone out like an area for like 20 seconds, but that 20 seconds is going to be damage that just sits on whatever structures are there. Um, and it, it won't be anything too crazy. Like it's not going to immediately drop a core or anything, but it could zone out an area on a keep. So you have a huge advantage on like a keep fight, which is the same way that most objectives work anyways. Like if uh, if you win on Braxis, you pretty much have a safe time to take out a keep. Uh, and it's likely going to take out a keep on its own if you get a full objective and there's a keep available. So I think maybe like a big bomb that creates like a damage zoning slowing field or zone um, could be worth fighting over more. So it's like 
Uh, there's two small bombs that are spawning in this one and one big bomb. Well, you'd have and then to you have can that. kind of decide to make like a trade if needed, or you can just fight over the big bomb. Yeah, and you need that because otherwise one bomb, everyone would go, oh, I don't know, no bomb. I'm, I, we don't care enough to risk our game for a bomb mm-hmm. when this thing's calling us a team fight. I was thinking about this uh, during the CCL because an often mis- a mistake that is perfectly logical that gets made with new players is they see the two immortals, Battlefield of Eternity, uh, shooting lasers, shooting little bolts at each other, and you go, they're damaging each other. There's a time limit here. Your brain mm-hmm. says these two are clearly hurting each other oh, in yeah. some way. They're arguing. Why, why don't they damage each other? That would be good flavor. But the scenario immediately evolves where the first team gets it to halfway, and then they just D the rest. They just zone. They play ridiculous turtle comps and win it thanks to the immortals battling each other in the first place yeah you know it's a weird flavor thing that you bring that up because it's like if i remember right in the lore of diablo it's actually the opposite mortals can't harm immortals and immortals are the only ones that can harm immortals so it's funny to me that in Here's the storm. It's the opposite. Mortals like Tychus can harm the immortal, but the immortals can't harm each other. So it's it's flipped from the actual Diablo lore. Um, but it's it's just funny. It's like because like that's why it's like such a big deal that the Nephilim are taking out like all these um, huge people who were previously thought to be immortal um, because they're they're half immortal right oh, so that's that was the like the reason behind that is that you're playing a nephilim um but it is just funny to me now that the immortals can't harm each other but like random mortals can um anyways yeah no i i completely agree though like there's a lot of weird things like that that new players look at and get a little confused but i do think that that is like step two of that map is to have a big area that you can fight over that's not um that's not just the boss like the boss should be like when someone comes up with a good shot call or something but i think that the um i think what i would want to see is like a big bomb that that people like it announces it like a normal objective or something where it's like there's like a couple pings in this area maybe even like a verbal cue from like the the map announcer that's like uh oh the radiation nuke is going to be in the bottom half of the map i i know that's crazy but no no, no. We, we, have, have to, we have punishers yeah. of different styles we could there is a world where oh that's actually you could have a freezing nuke turn off structures you could have a radiation nuke you could have uh you could have a. I mean there's there's a lot of like i don't know i just think that having a nuke that's that's or something that's a little bit more um impactful that people could fight over because as it stands it's more of like what's the trade that gets us the most nukes or let's just let's just stall a couple of them and just have someone push the whole time like i feel like the strategies are it would be cool and competitive i think but i think the strategies would be boring to watch like because i think at the end of the day people are still going to go back to the pushing so mm. I, I don't know i mean i think it would be cool to have some some something uh, like a stage two stage one i think this is awesome stage two we just need something more impactful that they can that there can be actual team fights over rather than just splitting well we got a message from 
the brew on the Blue Post's Reddit. And they were basically saying and making a joke about these assets, the sewage tunnel, being from Towers of Doom. Towers people, of Doom, yeah. People got a little disappointed. But basically saying that this is an experiment, and if we don't like it, why would we make custom assets for it? And I really applaud the team being willing like to that. take that. Yeah, take that risk. Be willing to experiment, move things around, and then maybe formalize it later on once we've settled on something. Yeah. No, I, I like that. I I think that's honestly like the best way to approach it right now. Like, um, do what's easy to do just to test stuff out. Like it use the same assets. I mean, it's the same thing with um the medallion. They grabbed the logo from another game and they use the cleanse animation. They just turn the dial and make it green. And that's it. And it's like it's the same thing. I, I really think that they should be just trying new stuff right now. Um, and and it, they could even approach it the same way that, that League approaches it in a sense. Um, League these days is trying to wait for all their major changes in between competitive season. So the competitive seasons go for about three months, which is about as long as like CCL and NGS and Heroes Lounge runs. Um, and then when those are over and you're in between seasons, make like all of your big changes. And I think that would be a good approach is like try to follow Heroes Lounge started at about the same time CCL started when they both stop. All the big changes that you have ready, just dump them. And then that way it gets people energized to play the game after people are kind of like not watching any competitive anymore. So if they start approaching it that way, um, they should just start trying a bunch of weird stuff. And and if they don't need to make assets for it, even better, because they could just try out more weird stuff. Either way, um, we've got patch notes. Yes, yes, um, we have a lot to go over. <laughs> that was a fantastic journey. But uh, before we go any further, I do want to thank the patrons over at patreon.com slash ITN for making this show possible, for letting us have fabulous guests and compensate them for their time. Thank you to our producers today, Declan H, Cheesy Bob, Chris K, Mike C, and Sean B. More information about that at the end of the show today, but be sure to check out patreon.com slash ITN. Now, for patch notes, real patch notes, hero patch notes, and mm -hmm. there are some that you expect, but we'll go in order if you want to follow along at home, and this will be starting out with Anubarak, who is getting a little bit of uh, help in the rewind department. Rewind still exists. It has not been customized for the hero, but they're trying to make some of those other picks more seductive, if you will. Yeah, it's um it is uh it's it's such a challenge to compete with rewind on almost every hero. I think the one that that has the most competitive to rewind is Rhaegar. Um, and that's partly because in order to get the most value out of his rewind, you have to play flawlessly and you're likely to burn your entire mana bar, which is really <laughs> yeah. bad for, yeah. uh, for a healer. And the amount of value you're going to get from rewind is almost the same amount of value as you're going to get from just like storm shield with the exception of, uh, I mean, if you were going to like double totem a team, but generally one totem is all you, you need to make a huge difference in a team fight as Rhaegar. As a tank, it's tricky because you have so much CC that Rewind allows you to stun lock someone in order to compete. Because with Rhaegar, 90% of people use Rewind to keep their team alive. And there's a, there are talents to compete with that. Um, 
the problem I find with most of the tanks is there's not talents that compete with what Rewind does. Um, <clears throat> and that's why it's not as competitive as like Rhaegar. With the Nubrak, for example, Rewind allows you to stun lock one to maybe three at most, but realistically one to two people. It allows you to stun lock them for like five seconds. On Muradin, Rewind allows you 200 to zero someone um, pretty much without them being able to play the game. Uh, and neither one of those have a really competitive level 20 that that does that same thing. Um, so with Anubarak, it's so hard to compete with it. So what they've done, they've done Hive Master, which was his first ultimate. Um, and they've buffed up the damage and the healing by just a little bit. I mean, the healing is a pretty good amount. It's like 40%, right? Um, and the damage is, uh, I, I didn't actually do the math on it. I'll pull out my calculator. You can talk about this talent if you want. <laughs> no, it, this is, this is a pretty one? popular talent for a lot of low league new bracks. It's very simple. It's very seductive because of that vampire locust, they call it going around, getting you a little bit of health and it can feel in the late game, particularly when your healer may not be as good, that that can be an excellent thing for you. The exciting one if not the new one, is the Crypt Weave. And this is that mm -hmm. old that old one yeah. where you would be hanging out near your cocoon target. You would make the duration go longer, adding up to a 13-second duration, if completely uninterrupted, on that cocoon target. Well, now they're adding in a ability where it's going to deal damage based on how long they're inside the cocoon at level 20. Mm -hmm. At level 20... If you go that full 13 seconds, you're looking at about 1,425 damage. So it's not absurd, and this is dealt over the course of four seconds. So there is counterplay available. You're not going to pop out and just pop die from yeah. this pile of incoming damage. But it does, it does add something to the Crypt Weave. Yeah. And, and remember that with this, you also still have... It's, it's a cocoon that, uh, that can still be broken early. Um, it's, it's one of those, those tricky talents with it. I like the idea of it because what it gives a Nubarak is if he catches someone, I think it's an interesting storm league talent because like, if you catch someone, say their healer steps up to like soak, say they've got like a Rhaegar or something. I mean, a Rhaegar kind of has a, a lot of survival, maybe then Ana is like soaking alone for some reason. Um, you could cocoon the Ana. Sit in the cocoon, like sit next to the cocoon for 13 seconds. Q her, auto attacker once, E her, auto attacker once. She dies. And so anytime that you catch someone out of position, you can do quite a bit with that cocoon in Storm League. But in, I'm worried that, like, in the higher levels of Storm League, right? Or even competitive, either of those, if you're going to cocoon someone that far out of position, your team's probably going to be able to kill that person. You know, they're, you're going to have someone with you because generally you don't have one person from both teams just alone, be, albeit the tank and the healer, right? That's just not usually what happens. So, and I feel like the 1400 damage might be a little low because that's not enough to kill anyone and nobody's going to sit in that cocoon for the full duration, right? Well, it, if they were to, Nubarak wouldn't be hanging out by them anyway. And that's where I kind of butt heads with it a little bit because yeah. if I have... Tracer, Genji, Zeratul, these targets during my Anubarak heyday. 
that I would cocoon in the back line, be like, you guys are okay back there. Let's deal with everyone else first. I am mm-hmm. now dealing with everyone else first, doing almost a front to back with this isolated target who was diving my back line all game. And so I would never make use of Crypt Weave in the first place. We'd be doing rewind in that goal. It's, but it is, yeah. it is a nice little pop. And I, I love the idea that, you know, I've seen, uh, what is it? Is it the mist or the fog? I don't remember. It's the one that's based on Half-Life. But the spiders shoot melty webs and it's horrifying and badass. And mm-hmm. I love the idea of it. They also yeah. added a new talent that is interesting. The Traitor it King. Is. It's, getting rid of the hard shield. Yeah, it's it's essentially the um it, it's just hardened shield plus bonus stats, right? Yes, so you get passively 10% bonus health and you get 20 spell armor at all times. Activate mm-hmm. to gain 75 armor. 75 yeah. armor. This is this is full armor then. This is full armor. It is oh, not spell armor. It's not any armor. It is full. It's it's not like fizz or whatever. It's it's armor and it's an interesting talent, right? It, it, in a way, does what Rewind does in the defensive sense of Rewind. So what, what Rewind does is you stunlock someone. Well, if you're stunlocking people that are going to be doing damage to you, you're effectively taking no damage. So you can activate it, and it's pretty good. The increased health um, is, is higher than Joanna at 20, so that's good. If you complete you your level talent. one quest. Oh, that's with the level yeah, one. Yeah, so if quest. you get that additional 500 on top of it, which is still very hard to do. And hasn't it's been very a, hard to do. 30 globes. Uh, what kills me is they're reducing all of the globe quests other than that one. And that's, in my opinion, the one that's like really difficult. They decreased um, Alex Straza's. They decreased uh, Varian's. They've decreased one other one. And it's like, but you still have this. Thir- and those weren't even 30. That was 25 globes and 20 globes. And now it's... 15 or 20 globes and 15 globes and this is still 30 globes it's such a difficult quest to complete um i mean if you're double soaking you can still get it when you need it but um why would you be double soaking on a new barack it's not well you i mean that's what i'm saying like competitive coordinated play you're gonna double soak with them with a mage right you'll have like kt and a new barack um but yeah it's it sucks that you need both of those to have higher health than joanna um but they i don't know I, I like the idea of this, and I think it could be good, but I don't know which scenarios it's going to be better than Rewind, you know? Well, and we can't theme Rewind in a sense because it's already themed for a Nubarak, and that's kind of the cool part of it is you spawn all these beetles, and if you're oh, doing yeah. a beetle build, you're just lousy with beetles. There's beetles everywhere, and it feels really, really cool. Even if you missed all your stunts, you feel like you made a little army. It's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, talking the to only your... thing that they could do... I, I don't mean to interrupt. What they could do is they could make the cooldown longer and then just make it spawn at three extra beetles. Like, on top. That way it kind of balances it, and then you get beetles. And beetles, it's not that, like, great of a of a trade-off, but that would be a way to balance Rewind. Or at least make it unique and, and get rid of yet another generic talent. I, I got a message this week about Subdue, which is really interesting. In this, we're making the quest easier to achieve world we seem to be entering. Yeah, we still have this crazy Johanna talent where you have to hit four people to complete the quest. But it still works if you don't complete the quest. I, I like that quest design, personally. Yeah. Um, like, if you're in a team fight, it, it always gets value. Um, but if you catch someone alone, it only gets value if you had your quest completed, which is, I think that's perfectly fine quest design. I like that talent. I think it's 
I think it's really interesting. Um, do we need to make it easier? Probably not. But I, I, it is a weird. I, I, it's a, it's a great point that you bring up though. That like there's some towns out there like that. I mean, like the Zag E talent at level seven or something, where you need to hit twelve people with your like the slowest moving projectile or slowest moving like skill shot ever. Um, it just reminds me like that. It's like that's a good talent if you get it completed, but it's like it's not game changing for how difficult it is to complete. Yeah, I've, I'm I'm sadly super down on Zag. Uh... Garrett's not here, and uh, he would defend himself. So we, we acknowledge the, the Zag defense that would have happened should he been on yeah. the show. Can I say with Zag, I think that she only requires one change. Like, her new build, her new corrosive saliva build is, like, cool, but it literally only needs one change to be a good build. Um, it needs the ability to, to tell all of your targets to attack one target. That's it. Mm. That's all it needs. That's the only thing. Maybe make it to where your your hydralisk whatever your hydralisk is focused on your roach is also focused on like if they made that change it would be i think that that would actually be a powerful hero but i i'm like i'm telling you i, I was playing zag and like i top every chart when i play zag but i feel like i'm useless every time because the damage never goes where i want it to go I'm doing a ton of damage. I'm throwing like all these summons everywhere. They're doing damage everywhere, but it's never all to one person. If if all your roaches attacked one person and your hydralisk attacked one person, uh, you would like almost be Orphea. You know what I mean? Like mm. you would almost be someone, a mage that's competitive. Um, and that's my like biggest complaint with Zag right now is like that. I, I don't even think they need to change any of her numbers. You can buff all of her numbers and she's just going to be toad build in his Evo. Um, but you could drop all of her numbers. I, I just leave them all exactly where they're at and just give her like hydralisks have like the Zul treatment where like Zul, if he roots someone, all of his skeletons attack the same target. Um, that's all she needs. It's just like you, you, whoever you target with hydralisk, everything attacks the same target. Like I think that, uh, I think that's all she needs, honestly. Yeah. I mean, they could go back about that a number of ways. They could do the Gaslo thing where they give us a one button. The one button. That's, that. that was my first yeah. thought was, yeah, just give it a one button. But as a Half-Life 2 fan, I kind of like the idea of uh, pheromones doing the antlion thing. If you hit a Baneling on somebody, they're now gooed Ooh. in such a way that all the other Zerg get mad at that target. That would be cool. Maybe make it a Baneling talent that does that, where it's like the one that slows them, the level seven, because that would compete with it too. That would be pretty good. You, you have the level seven that slows them. Have that also apply pheromones that all of your minions will attack the same target. I like that. You just need to make sure you don't hit like more than one person. But if you hit one, that's just a skill thing. You'll need to make sure that you hit the right person with your your Q. I could have I, a nice I little, think that's interesting. Yeah, I could have a nice little like learning edge to it too, because there could be that Zagara who goes, All right, you got a mutilus. I'm gonna go clear this lane nearby, and they then the mutilus is like, Oh, what are you doing over here? Is that pheromones you've laid? And they go leave the team fight that you thought you were joining. It could be an mm -hmm. interesting way to incentivize, but yeah, like it, it adds pheromones, maybe even like increases the damage like they get or they, they get like faster movement speed or attack speed while they're attacking like the pheromone target or something. Yeah, they that get all way, mad about that, it. that skill. Yeah, like that skill that's required to land that Baneling on top of everything else is, uh, I don't know. I, I think that's, uh, that's interesting um, to, to see. But, I mean, back to Nubrock. Uh, is this where we're supposed to do the rating or is it the end of the whole thing? Oh, we're, we're going to do that at the end, the whole patch. Oh, okay, 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 patch. okay. So we've got Malganus now. This is yep. your, uh, 
this is your baby here. So <laughs> what what are we looking at for Malganis, Kyle? We got some more health in the form of 100 more health, which of course increased his regeneration slightly. And then Echoes of Doom, a really fun talent that allows you to do some extra AoE in the area around you when you pop your armor. This is basically increasing his tank ability ever so slightly by that 100 points. With the lifesteal, if they change any of the damage numbers, his survivability goes up in the first place. This will stop him from just being bursted down. I don't think it's enough to change people's opinion of Malganus right now, but he still has his place. It's just that he's a late pick tank. And I think by nature of the solo lane wanting to be late pick, a lot of the supports wanting to be late pick, a lot, a lot of higher league assassins want to be late pick. There's just not room when you compare him to ETC, Diablo, Johanna. Yeah, I mean, the, the challenge, I think, I initially was thinking kind of the same way, but I'm looking at this health buff, and it's about the nerf that they gave to him when he left the meta. So I'm wondering how much that actually will do. Like, because when he got his rework, he got a bunch of talent buffs, and then he had he had his health get nerfed. And now they just they didn't nerf any of those talents. They just buffed his health. Which makes me wonder if if that's gonna be enough to bring him back. Like I, I don't know. I know they did change some of his like really good talents before, but um like outside of because what happened was like the only talent that I that if I remember they nerfed really bad wasn't even a nerf. It was just they removed that bug on your armor talent and that allowed you to to block a little bit more than like one shot with each block charge. Um, but I actually I, I know this seems like small notes here, but I personally feel like this is pretty big. I could be wrong, but I feel like this is pretty big. Uh, I think on the maps Malganus was good on or the comps that he was good in. I think that this could potentially bring him back to that point where he's got a little bit too much health to be like bursted before he gets his ult off, you know? It's definitely a balancing act, and we've heard from AZ Jackson that these heroes like Tracer can be very hard to balance. He is massively disappointing, as so many tanks are, outside of that Johanna and maybe Stitches, at doing lane clear. And sometimes I do end up taking this Echoes of Doom in order to increase my lane clear. And it's also really, really fun against things like Sammy's or targets that are going to be all over you and you would like to have that health coming back. Yeah. We'll just have to I, see. I think... it's, it's, it feels like a Brightwing situation to me right now. I feel like he's fine. We're just waiting for the CCL to say it's okay. <laughs> right, yeah. No, I mean, that's kind of where it's at. I mean, we we saw like... He was pretty dominant in like the events before CCL got announced, like in and before his rework, he was dominant. I mean, he was the tank for Infernal Shrine. Like there, he was the tank. He he would zone out entire teams. Um, and the rework that they changed, like they buffed most talents. They just only nerfed a couple, and it's like those talents weren't even that big pieces of it. Um. What I wonder, also, when you are doing Malganus, um, as far as wave clear, if you do take Echoes of Doom, you can double soak. Um, or level 7, if you take like the E talent, you can, but I don't want to use E to double soak. 
Um, but it is possible like, <laughs> to get a little sure bit of poison like, around you. Yeah. You just have to get like you need to make sure each Q hits hits the entire wave and then back up and then Q and and back up and Q so that your all three Qs hit the entire wave and it's kind of inconvenient but it is possible and like so at, at level four you walk up you echo of doom you Q or see so if you you Q echo or QW you take a step back you Q you take a step back you Q and the echo pops and then I, I think it's one auto attack to each backliner. Um, and then you, you just, you move to the next wave and you do the same thing again. So you can double soak as early as level four with Malganus. It's, it's requires perfect everything. Um, but on a wave, that's not too difficult. Cause like the waves don't move anywhere. So like, they're not like trying to dodge your cue. Um, so that is, it's not as easy or like, like, uh, quick as, as Joanna, cause Joanna just EWQ, but, um, but it is possible. So it's like that could be something that that may help out a little bit, um, especially with that extra six damage. I mean, it might get you to the point where you don't need that extra auto attack after a couple levels. But um, I don't know. I, I think the health buff is I think this is an underrated change that a lot of people are kind of scrolling past. But uh, I don't know. Well, to your earlier Maybe point, me. we were at two thousand seven hundred on release and that became mm-hmm. two thousand five hundred back in february and which was, is yeah so we're basically which, yeah that was about we that was about when he was like a meta tank was about 2500 i'm I'm, right. I'm I'm excited i'm all for it yeah we got chen next and a lot of these are going to be incentivized talents things that are perhaps underpicked or sometimes mm-hmm. they're not the lowest underpicked talent but they match that lower pick and lower win rate than something like uh well on chen's level ones here so they went through and buffed freshest ingredients deadly strike and gift of the ox chen i feel like is the best example of we're like i'm concerned about power creep um and and i'm gonna use like Valimar's words a little bit and if he's like in the chat or whatever he can correct me but Valimar plays a lot of Chen and he watches the Chen numbers chew a T and he'll usually say like when there's a talent that people ask questions about he'll say well if it gets up to this level I'll take this talent over this talent because that's what the math determines right and he said that about uh freshest in- or not freshest ingredients the the this, the one that looks like a little scroll. I'll, I'll pull it up really quick. Uh, so I have the uh, the actual names of all of them. Um, he said that uh, when Storm Stout's secret recipe hits three uh, percent, it's worth taking this talent over another talent. It's at three point five percent right now, so it's totally worth it. Um, and same thing with Eye of the Tiger. He was like, "Oh, if this ever like hits this specific point, fresh ingredients, he has that too." And I feel like. Chen's a good example of they keep buffing his underutilized talents, which slowly makes it to where um, it's it's more worth it to take one over the other one. But each time that they do that, it's it's slightly buffing him further and further and further up. And that's the only thing I'm a little concerned about is it's going to be hard to tell when he's overpowered and it's going to be hard to tell what to to like deal with because he's already a hero that wins a lot of matchups and he's already a hero that's pretty frustrating in team fights if you're playing a good chen um 
so it, it's a tricky one to see them buffing these talents. I, I mean, I like the level four buff because it's that talent was like almost never picked. Yeah, and that is my beginner Chen build. It's kind of like Ragros has these moments where it's nothing but Q build. It's nothing but even meatball time. But every once in a while, there's a blast wave meta, and it's the perfect time for you to learn Ragnaros so you can actually learn the particulars of something like his smash build. I am awaiting a Chen deadly strike flying kick meta so I can learn the hero Mm -hmm. and then transform out of that. It's just so simple. It's so particular in what you need to do, and it informs directly how you're going to play Chen. Yeah, it, it is a tricky one. Um, I, I think I think Q builds fine. Like I, I like the idea of them like buffing underutilized talents. I'm just only concerned that if you're only ever buffing underutilized talents, that hero's only ever getting stronger. Um, where if like eventually you just need to nerf the meta talents. Like if there's only one talent being picked on a tier, you gotta you gotta drop it. And I mean, when it comes to um I, I think they're they are hitting the third talent in each of those like the most played two they're not affecting and they're just hitting the third one to kind of bring them up there um but chen has been one of those that i've seen that happen a few too many times but um i like i like these changes honestly i mean gift of the ox i've actually liked that talent um even before i don't think it's i mean it's it's a lot more niche than the other two um, but I, I like the level, the level four change is probably my, my favorite. Cause it's like, I do think there's a world where that Q build can get a lot of, uh, attention, especially when you're like diving the backline in a team fight, just that little bit of extra damage can allow you to take out a healer without needing to like storm earth fire or without needing the, the barrel or whatever. Well, the next hero in line is a great example of what you're talking about. And what we've been talking about here with under pick talents, the Haka who is finally getting a little bit of love because he's been hanging out at the bottom for quite some time, which has seemed wrong, but perhaps just power creep. Or maybe we... I feel like this is almost a legacy thing. Like, we nerfed him because we were so afraid of Dahaka and HGC, and then we just forgot about him for two years. Whereas Brightwing got that really large, slight rework buff, what was it, a year ago now? And Mm -hmm. that allowed her, with competitive play back in, to immediately hit the ground running. Yeah, I, I this whole change like kind of blows my mind, especially just the first one, just the buff to, to W damage. This one kind of blows my mind. Um, Dahaka has a low win rate, but again, I think Dahaka was the one I, I used last time that we were on. Um, uh, last time I was on, I talked about him that he was kind of like Alex Straza. Low win rate because he's seems easy, but he's all about timing and knowing where to be at what time, which is where most people in this game really struggle. Most people in this game are actually pretty decent at team fights. I've done bronze to masters a few times, and believe it or not, from silver up, you can trust people to mechanically play their heroes at a level that can accomplish a team fight as long as. I mean, as long as like the macro and everything else gets done on the map, but the decisions that people make is usually where people struggle. Like again, silver up, you can trust most assassins to do damage. You can trust most tanks to CC, but when people choose to fight and how they choose to fight um, is where people just bomb. And Dahaka and Alex Straza to me are the best examples of heroes who have only really ever been buffed, yet their win rates have dropped. And yet, it's purely just because 
Dahaka requires the perfect timing, especially in the build that people have been going since HGC, which is the get a whole bunch of uh, essences, get up to 60 essences, and split push. Well, people don't know how much they should be split pushing. They'll Z too early to team fights, and they won't have that surprise factor, and they won't have that split push factor. So they're in a build that they've been playing wrong their entire career. Um, and that was the issue of Dahaka for a long time. W build came out and people could finally have a decent team fight on Dahaka, but then they still don't have the timing aspect, right? Of when they're supposed to show up to a fight. See, the thing is, is like Dahakas are supposed to show up to the fight behind the enemy team. And then when, when the enemies are pushing forward and your team's pushing forward, you show up, isolate their healer, pull in one of their members into their team, and you immediately win that team fight without needing to do anything else. And because that requires that to happen, and most people just Z in too early, um, that Dahak is going to naturally have a lower win rate because people aren't playing the way that they should. And so when I see buffs like this, I, I go over and I look at like Unfathomable, a, a Dahaka one trick with like a 65% win rate on a Smurf in Masters. And, um, and then his main account, again, like a 60% win rate on Dahaka. It's like, I look at people like that and you're buffing this hero and I'm like, people that are playing him correctly are absolutely dominating on him. Um, but I'm okay with buffing underutilized talents. I'm just surprised that they're buffing like baseline. This is kind of like Gazlo to me all over again from last patch um, where he was a 51% win rate hero and they buffed everything about him. And I was like, what is going on? Um, that's kind of where I'm at with this Dahaka, honestly. Well, Dark Swarm's going up three damage which is a big deal because it's ticking all the time which it would increase ticks, your, yeah yeah increase twice, your lane twice clear. per second so but yeah. what about lurker strain this is a seven percent pick rate talent it is very cool it just seems to be wrongly placed or perhaps the competition is too high at level four this is where you would reduce the cooldown of your burrow that that cooldown reduction is now mm-hmm. increased when you emerge from the burrow you are stealth for three seconds and you knock enemies back and slow them for 30 percent i think what this needs is an essence mechanic um where every time you burrow you get 10 essence uh i I think that's what this talent actually needs because it it competes with two essence talents and that's i mean no pun pun intended i don't know that's the essence of dahaka sure and his entire kit is the essence um so if if you remove the level four has always been his talent on how he's going to get essence. If you're going to be a split push to Haka, you go one who collects, you build up a bunch of essence, and then you take that increased damage um, and increased health, health regen, whatever, and you split push and you get a whole bunch of stuff done before that important moment where you need to jump to the team. Lurker Strain competes with that, or it competes with Hero Stalker, which is what almost everyone's running right now. Um, that that ability that to, that you can just have almost a ridiculous amount of essence every team fight because you'll pop your fifty in the in that team fight and you'll gain it all back by the time that healing over time's over and you'll just pop it again and um, so it competes with two amazing talents you can nerf the other talents or you can find the reason that people are taking those other talents which is building up essence and potentially baking it into like maybe the duration that you're stealthed you gain essence like i don't know four essence per second while you're stealthed 
that way while you're repositioning but then it could be interrupted but at least that gives some extra play to it i don't know but i think that's the answer to it no i think that's a, that's a good answer buffing. for the tier yeah because we could do other things. We've got Murid and ETC examples where you could do a heroic cooldown mechanic. You you bump back people with Lurker Strain, you get X amount off your adaptation. Mm-hmm. But that still yeah. is now competing with Essence all the same because of the tier. Yeah, what, so uh, it's, it's there, a tricky one. Isn't there... Uh, no, okay, so Primal Rage got buffed. But there's no Diablo-like talent where Dahaka can auto-attack for Essence, right? Level 20 Essence Claws, when you hit a hero, you gain 5 Essence. Okay. Um, but that's level 20, um, that and your sounds... attacks slow the target. It's it's actually pretty... It, it seems really good, um, but it's competing with such, I mean, amazing talents. Like, you're practically unkillable with Essence Claws, but, like, would you rather be unkillable or just turn off the entire team with Contagion? Well, why don't um, we do that? That that sounds like a great level 4 talent. Maybe get rid of the slow? Maybe, like, reduce the Essence down? Actually, yeah. I mean, the, the, the challenge is if you're going to auto-attack build, you generally just take one who collects um, because you're going to be split-pushing. You use that primal rage. So what? this was the old HGC build, right? This is the build that everyone took in HGC. And this made Dahaka, I mean, banned on a lot of maps in HGC. You would have level one tissue regen, which allowed you to go up to 60 essence. And then uh, level four, you go one who collects, which would allow you to stack that quest up very quickly without needing to kill anyone, without needing to fight anyone. And then you would always be able to stay at 60 um so when you hit level 13 you split push really fast because you had 60 percent extra damage which is now 75 i believe with primal rage um 75 extra damage and you would just split push until the team fight got to that that moment that pivotal moment where you needed to jump in uh isolate one pull one win the team fight and then you just go back to lane and start pushing again because dehaka put every team on a timer and so the team fight had to happen or else Dahaka would take way too many structures. And that's how HGC Dahaka was played. They buffed that and we could add a competing talent at four, but that I don't know if that would even be necessary since one who collects is so important for that particular build. Because it's yeah integral to how you would play the other talent you would take in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a... a- I mean, there's there's other aspects of Dahaka you should check out. I really like that something forgiving like Apex Predator got itself a nice little buff and that it decreases your cooldown even further. If you're into that change survival adaptation, that has now improved as well. All the lower pick rate anyway, talents at 20. Yeah. But speaking of talents that do jobs well, Diva, her only change is that she was targeted directly on Rushdown level four, which seems appropriate but another odd tier with the competition not really lining up with what Rushdown did. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, the interesting thing about Rushdown being nerfed is it also actually nerfs the level one talent pro moves because people who went pro moves, Rushdown was their only sustain. And now that they've dropped Rushdown sustain from from 3% max health down to 2% max health, they're losing a third of their healing in in their entire build by by losing rushdown um which is pretty big uh so it, it effectively nerfs two talents at once 
Um, but yeah, it, it was the talent. It really was. It was in every build. Um, even in like W build, I didn't go the W talent because I didn't really, I didn't really need that talent. I mean, I guess that talent, it, it's level seven W talent that I usually didn't go in W build. I would sometimes go aggressive matrix in, um, in W build, but nuclear option. I mean, it seems cool. That's the one that, um, if you shoot your, your mech, it blows up faster. Um, and it's cool, but. I think generally when you have a bomb, you don't have to use it for like, you don't have to use it a lot. It's kind of like the, the Alex Straza thing. Lowering your dragon cooldown isn't always a good thing since it, your dragon cooldown generally lines up with the objective. So you'll always have dragon with the objective if you only use it for the objective. It's kind of the same thing with Diva Bomb. Um, it, your bomb cooldown generally lines up with the objective. So having more bombs doesn't necessarily mean that you're actually going to use more bombs. Um, because if you use a bomb in between, even if you can get it back faster, it might not line up with the objective anymore. And suddenly you won't have a bomb for the objective. So I think that's the challenge with like nuclear option. Um, aggression Matrix, I think, is still good for W build, but they need to just nerf the other build enough to where W build becomes more meta. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're at with... Uh, with that tier, I like this change. I think it's the simplest answer to, to D.Va. Yeah, decreases her lane clear a little bit. Not much. It's going from 75% bonus damage to non-heroic enemies to 70. And then we're taking that little bit of giant killer had with the boop from 3% to 2%. So by no means is this talent dead. It was just allowing people to do more things. <laughs> and in particular, I found it very useful on things like Infernal Shrines laning not so much because you kind of mess up the lane for your machine guns anyway or mm. you could poop them early but then you <laughs> so they'd be coming through the wall you would zoom forward boop them to lane clear but now you got no dash if trouble breaks out so it wasn't yeah. safe to really do it in that rainer kind of lane clear way and then, yeah generally i'd usually see like people would kind of get them all low enough to where your q would kill them and then use the q for not just killing the wave but also their mobility to the next wave because like I was double soaking on um, on Hanamura with Diva, and oh, wow. just by doing that method, I was just I would just start dealing damage to a wave. I'd wipe through it, and then I would just immediately head to the top lane. And my team was doing like nothing all game. It was one of those games, you know those games. They were doing <laughs> nothing all game. The fact that they weren't in either of the lanes kind of explains how that game was going. Um, but yeah, uh, that. It is possible, but that's generally how I see people usually do it is they kind of use the movement speed to uh, to they just clear it and then movement speed to get away. And, and uh, you need to make sure that you have the, the health at the right amounts before you do that at that queue. But it's possible. Ah, that, that's a good tip. I've only been taking her on Infernal Shrines. Plus, I, I love that uh, level one full metal allows you to do the various Merc camps in Storm League on, uh, on Diva yeah. Solo. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... I think that that's a thing that like I, I see a lot of people going pro moves and it's like I understand there are definitely a lot of times when you can use that and when there's a lot of healing on you but like full metal like you can solo bruiser camps so early like level two you can solo bruiser camps uh, liquid cooling um, is very very strong into a lot of matchups and it's just like both of those talents are have so much utility and potential um, that I'm, I'm surprised when I see pro moves as often as I do. Um, it's a good talent, but uh, 
the just the amount of potential you have from full metal especially on like um like braxis you can solo the bruiser at level two on braxis and then just bully people and have a bruiser pushing like it's incredible it's I, crazy I, I was extremely fortunate this past week i got to interview nasmas for the ccl mm. videos over at yeah. youtube uh heroes hearth and just gave me the full it's like a 40 minute video but it's a rundown of everything you could possibly think of on diva two days later i'm playing it in our scrims for ngs because it was just I saw so that thorough. yeah yeah next up yeah. is an expected gazlo who is getting some rocket turret damage reduced some death laser damage reduced and targeting the big big talents that you may not have been doing at home but added to a huge amount of snowball on those infernal shrines like maps and these are things like big game hunter reduced cooldown is well reduced further mm -hmm. rocket socket one i'm a little sad about because just so fun but 15 points off that shield uh some of our other talents you may or may not have been taking but general nerfs across the board to those big performers yeah, this was pretty much his meta build, and I mean, they're hitting just about every talent in his meta build. Um, level 7 they didn't hit, but um, there were a lot of talents that were being used at that tier, and uh, his level 10 and 20 weren't hit, which, me personally, where it stands, um, I I still think that uh, like Big Gravel Bomb is just game-changing. Uh, I think Gravel Bomb's good, and I think Big Gravel Bomb's just game-changing. I'm surprised that so many people are taking the E-talent at that tier. Like, I was watching um, some of the, like, CCL in-houses and stuff, and um, they were... Uh, they were... Uh, the, the second set of stuns never landed on any single person in the entire... Like, and I was like, Big Gravel Bomb, I noticed three different times that it would have it would have grabbed people that normal Gravel Bomb didn't. And I'm like, I just, I, I can't imagine people not taking that big gravel bomb. And it lowers the cooldown of gravel bomb, which is like, if you didn't win the team fight, you can just immediately use another one on, on another person. Like I, but I think Gazzo is great right now. I think these changes were great. I didn't think he needed the first set, but I think these changes were great to um, kind of even it out a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I think this will really help out a lot. Yeah, and it, it was, particularly on those Infernal shrines -y maps, it was pretty oppressive. If you weren't familiar with what Rocket Socket was doing, it felt like Gaslo could be invincible charging around that battlefield pretty fast. And I, they absolutely targeted the right thing. I will say, though, that I received a lesson to my face from one AZ Jackson and Unranked with the bomb toss at 20. And what he taught me after we had, we had no forts gone. He completely turned around a game at level 20 because he put the second bomb under you. It wasn't about the side splashes on bomb toss. It was everything about the second charge. And mm -hmm. you get hit by the first one and the yeah, next one a, was under your Yeah, it's a big stun feet. lock for yeah. sure. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a tricky one. I'm just always surprised at like how many kills are missed by not going the bigger gravel bomb. And, and just like how much you lose on the other talent but i mean again it's it's a lot of preference too um i will say too that that, like, that double stun is definitely if you can land the gravel bomb that double stun leads to a kill i think if you're not going gravel you always go uh the double bomb but i mean i don't know i actually don't know what his uh his upgrade is to his other talent let's pull that up really uh, basic quick. attacks 
Increase Gazzle's armor by 10 for 10 seconds up to a maximum of 30. Basic attacks deal 50% more damage to stunned and slowed targets. I mean, that's probably pretty good in like Storm League just because people don't focus very well. So if you don't die immediately, you'll probably live forever and you'll just slowly melt down everyone. Um, but in like competitive, I mean, in competitive, I, you just kind of feel like you have to go Gravo, but I don't know. I mean, I've been really um, into Robo Goblin. I've been favoring it actually because of the medallion. The medallion has taught me so many amazing situations where an unstoppable can change things mm-hmm. that yeah. having any sort of unstoppable for my Gazlo, who is in the thick of it with Robo Goblin, is just a huge power boost to what you're doing in the first place with the rocket socket, with you wanting to auto attack, perhaps with things like Big Game Hunter. Yeah, it, um, I mean, I think Gazel's in a great spot. Either way, I think uh, I think Robo Goblin's really, really strong. Um, and if your team isn't that coordinated, I think that, or if both teams aren't that coordinated, I think Robo Goblin is is seriously great. Um, and that Unstoppable is is really, really good. Well, but um, Gravel Bomb is sitting right there. If the Medallion goes away, that is going to be hugely oppressive with that yeah. cooldown as well. That's a thing. It's like. Medallion's such an interesting. I mean, we, we've we've had the conversation about Medallion probably three episodes now, but and you guys have had it several several episodes. Um, it's definitely one of those. Uh, it's definitely one of those things that it's so contentious. But it's like if it's removed now, there's so many heroes that are just oppressive. Like Chromie got a rework like right before the Medallion. It's like, could you imagine like? just you just die like you get ulted from chromie and you just you'll you'll just die accept your fate yeah like like it, late game there's there's no answer to it other than cleanse and medallion if she hits the right person and so it's just like you just die and so the medallion's like okay well she has a low cooldown but I have one chance to save myself. So we need to make sure I'll save myself here, but we need to make sure we win this next team fight and close out the game. Cause if not, I just die. And it's, it's a tricky cause like there's just certain heroes like that. Yeah. I mean, Diablo still, you know, one of the more popular tanks, still something I first pick anyway, when I'm solo league. Yeah. He suffers uh, particularly in, into the like plane. I'm going to charge you, pick you up over the top apox combo. That thing is super hard to pull off right now. If that was more available, Diablo would be even mm-hmm. more powerful. Brightwing yeah. is probably having this huge surge, not only because of an impressive showing, but snappy, fast, and complete CC rather than just roots is what's going to stop someone from hitting their medallion in time. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, I mean, medallion is, has completely stopped, like, Zeratul's Void Prison APOC, right? Like, I, I watched two teams try that recently. And they VP like four members. They APOC drop the VP and everyone medallions and walks away. And it's just like, okay, well, we collected a lot of medallions, but we used up our like our game ender. And it was like, we might not get that opportunity to get a good VP again. And and you lose like so much. And and that's the the most difficult part about it is like that happens. And that happens too much sometimes. Um, and and that's the the problem is like you you ruin old combos but at the same time it's like i I still remember when i talked to mcintyre back in the end of hgc and he's just like yeah he goes the first cc that lands the game's over 
And he goes, so we all are playing heroes that we all just kind of sit around and we wait. And we just are, he goes, that's why I have to play Blaze every single game. As he's like, something starts to happen. I have to bunker so that we all survive whatever's about to happen. And he goes, and if I mess up the timing at all, he goes, the game's over. And he goes, and if they mess up the timing at all, the game's over. And he's like, it only takes one CC to end the game. And and now that CCL's here and every the play's starting to slowly move back up to that level, we're going to start seeing that same thing happening again, which is um, the first CC that lands, a first tiny little mistake. And sometimes it's not even really a mistake. It's just like maybe the Punisher um, does a jump that, that didn't happen the way that it should. Or sometimes the Punisher goes walking off in a weird direction and then just jumps randomly. Like there's weird things that happen. And it's like where it stands, a game is decided by something like that in the highest levels of play because any little cc the game's over and i just remember mcintyre was kind of like breaking this down i was talking to um him i was talking to like four or five other members of uh different teams um at blizzcon back hcc blizzcon and uh and they were just talking about it they're like it's not really fun right now and competitive because it's just everyone's just standing around waiting for like the tiniest little mistake and it doesn't feel like actual team fights. It's just one person makes a mistake, dead. Now that that team has to go try to find an even trade while they win the objective. And it's just like, the medallion was an answer. I don't know if that's actually the good answer for it. Um, but some people have brought up like tenacity, where like you can, if you get hit by like a CC, um, you, you are like more resistant to the next CC as a potential answer to that problem. Some people have brought up the medallion should remove only one CC. So instead of popping it early and having one second of unstoppable, you have to pop it after you get CC'd and it just removes one instance. So like you can't get out of a mosh, but you could get rid of like the, get out of the ETC stun before he moshes. There's a lot of answers to it, but medallion's definitely contentious beast right now. Interesting. You know who surprised me? A Leoric buff. And oh, it, yeah. it was to his general auto attack, which already yeah. seems pretty good. I mean, this is... it's he, His auto attack still hits like a truck. Remember yeah. that it's swipe, swipe, crit. So this small buff is AoE for two of those. And that small buff is going to get enhanced on his crits. So th- this whole change to, to Leoric really surprised me. But I like it. I was really surprised also to see something like Unyielding Despair get buffed when it's such a talent that has its place. Yeah, and W it, build March March W build is like that's what you're going to run. There's no way around. Like there's three builds right now on Leoric. They're all healthy builds. Koreans are running auto attack build. You've got North America players who are playing the um Entomb and uh and damage reduction build. And then you have uh, Turk, who's playing March build. And like, <laughs> that's, I mean, <laughs> like, they are all three healthy builds that all have decent win rates. I'm surprised they touched them at all, but they did take the talents that didn't fit in those three builds. So, okay. And then sort of the uh, Nubarak issue with, of course, our Buried Alive and even, you know, the Turk build, as it were. Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out what we can do at level 20 to make those other talent picks more interesting. So Hardened Bones is gone. Just straight up gone. Yeah. And we received different buffs to our other talents. Uh, 
this uh, the Shroud of the Death King, which is now down to a 25 second cooldown, mm-hmm. become protected for three seconds. Why? On paper, these things are so exciting, but I always think of things like Tyrael. These talents just never catch on. Are they it's, just not- again, it's it's tricky. It's like you've got. I, I always I always come back to like when would I need to be protected for three seconds, right? If I'm going damage reduction build, I generally am not going to be dying too early because I'm I usually have a drain on someone and I'm also lowering all of their damage, so I don't really need it. I would say auto attack build would be the best for a talent like this, so that you can like protect yourself and heal back up very slowly with a couple auto attacks because you can sneak in i mean if you have your your quest done you can sneak in like five or six auto attacks during that shroud um but like it's competing with buried alive you know like that's that's the hardest part it's competing with one of the best talents in coordinated environment and it's not a bad talent outside of coordinated environment um but maybe I would say maybe for like Storm League, having that protected whenever like things get a little too hectic is not bad. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, and same thing with like the the burning despair is like, um, while drain hope is that well, you're not usually going to go that in a drain hope build you're going to go death march in a drain hope build so i feel like they need to do something very different uh to be because right now they're competing with talents that are already good in those builds but potentially shroud of the dead king could be used in um in the auto attack build i don't know i've got a different idea about it because to me the biggest Turn off to Leoric is the standstill when I'm wreathing. And that's where Tychus is amazing. I don't want to fight Tychus, Tassadar, Sylvanas with my Leoric at all. Because there will be times when my body's just sitting there because I'm going mm-hmm. somewhere. And I am dead against those characters. More so the Sylvanas and the Tychus. So Shroud of the Dead King, to me, almost feels like at 25 seconds, maybe I could pop it ghost around, not die, while I'm ghosting, and then still come out the other side of that ghosting business with my ominous wraith and royal focus, perhaps, and get that kill. So that's where I then butt heads with something like Burning Despair, which is now giving 40 armor while the Drain Hope is active. And sure, a lot of the times I'm like, hand, okay, ghost, and that is a decent stack. I'm healing 40 armor at the same time. But maybe if these talents were one together... Maybe while Drain Hopin's active, I am protected. Uh, that's going. I mean, that's far. like that seems crazy in, yeah. in a W build. Like if you're protected, because you can keep W on almost infinitely, so you would just be an unkillable force. So um, too far, too far. Of course, that one might be a little too far, but I like your idea behind it. You know, you did bring up something though with Shroud being used in like the E build, um, in the in the Ghost package, right? Where you're reducing the damage. A lot of teams are running Stukov with Leoric now because sure. it kind of gives you Buried Alive early. And Buried Alive does reduce the duration of your ult. There is a world where instead of running Buried Alive, you just run Shroud and then you run a Stukov to answer the problem that you're lacking Buried Alive. I mean, it sucks to always have to have your Stukov do nothing just to get value out of Entomb. 
Um, but there is a world because, like you said, if a Tychus tries to focus his effort to kill you and you're reducing everyone's damage, you pop that and you're protected for the duration of bigger they are. And now there goes Tychus's damage. Um, oh, I forgot so about there Phoenix. is definitely oh, Phoenix is the is the absolute worst. I just never see it. Thank goodness, because no one plays Phoenix. Yeah. And it's like there is there is a world that uh, that Shroud is picked up in that particular team comp. And with this buff, it's not bad. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see it as as a potential. Um, that That is the downside of Buried Alive. And I think that might be the other answer is make Buried Alive shave off like half a second more. And then people will start looking at not taking it anymore because it's it's just. It, I mean, like one, then it would only last for like two and a half seconds rather than four. Um, so it would, it would, it's one of those talents that has like a lot that you would give up. But as it stands, I think again, that's that margin of error thing, right? If you take Buried Alive, it's less that your Stukov has to play perfectly now. And Buried Alive is so instant that like if you're trying to grab like a Genji and you Buried Alive, you can oftentimes kill him before he gets out. Where if you entomb and wait for the Stukov silence to go off, he's already dashed out. So it's it's so difficult to make that work. But maybe in the right comps, I could see the right situations. I think Shroud might have moved up a little bit. Malthiel is up next. And these are, again, underpicked talents. They may not be the build that Malthiels are one day hoping for. Which I think a lot of them like the trait build. I know I do. It's it, Memento Mori mm-hmm. is a really, really cool idea dealing that bonus damage based on how long the mark has been on them. Now from 80 to 90%. And throwing Shade, which increases the range. And I think it also has a cooldown. It reduces reduction. the cooldown. Yeah. It increases the range. It decreases the mana cost. And now it does 2% of max health. Is this it, it, it's good? kind of a loaded talent, yeah. to be honest. It's a lot of words. These are your magic cards that are like a page long. You're like, it must be oh, good. Man. It's got so much text on it. Oh man. There's I, I remember when my friend showed me Urza, um, and and like it there's so much unnecessary stuff. Like a little bit would make him a great commander. Everything else was just so unnecessary that just makes him like a forty dollar card. I think he's like fifty bucks now, actually. I don't know. Expensive card. Costs more than a video game. Is this worth going now? Or so where are we at? I'll say I've been seeing more competitive players taking throw throwing shade even before this change. Um when the map is gonna be more team fight oriented, right? Because all you're losing is die alone, and die alone's not always activated in team fights. Mm. So if you're fighting more team fights, die alone's a dead talent. So having a lower cooldown allows you to play a little bit more in and out in the W build, which the W build has been gaining a lot more popularity lately. So this is, in my opinion, this is the talent for the W build, unless you need to win the lane. So if you're playing on a map that you're double soaking, I don't think Dialone's necessary. And I think throwing shade is kind of the answer. Um, that's my personal belief on that. Now, if you're on Braxis or you're on a map that you need to win the lane, naturally you're not going to be fighting a lot of team fights so die alone is going to get a lot of value so i think throwing shade is even before this two percent extra max health i think this this talent is uh is actually really good for team fights um because your cooldowns also match up too when you take this talent you can literally um throw your e w 
walk away and throw your E as you're leaving and W back in and throw your E as you're leaving and W back in. And you can keep doing that every single time. Um, and it, it just works. So it's a good, it's a good like feeling build. If you've ever played it, it's, it's actually a really fun build to play because it's a lot more in and out. Um, and the team fights are so much safer. So I, I definitely think that that's moving that talent up to the point where it is the team fight talent at level four. Um, the level 16, I mean, like you said, the trait build's one that we all kind of want. I think the trait build's going to be one of those that just comes out of nowhere. Um, I, I really do. I think the trait build's literally just going to show up and one person's going to play it and we're all just going to go, oh, it's finally overpowered now. We just didn't even realize it because we're just not playing it. Like, I, But it, they keep buffing those talents and nobody's testing them out. I, I'm not even... I like. I usually test out every single buff, but all the buffs are so small that I haven't like tested it in probably like three or four buffs. Like I, we could be there already, Kyle. We could be there, Kyle. Like honestly, we I, could be at the point where trait build is just absolutely busted and no one's tried it. I, I've heard um, that Memento Mori is okay versus things like maybe Diablo. Uh, if it was earlier, we might take it into Urel instead of something like, you know. Uh, cold hands and die alone but actually it's it's very much for me a gaslo situation again because of my learnability my discovery with this medallion i've started going more often inevitable end so i have unstoppable for all these various mm -hmm. things that i am now more aware of before medallion yeah. my bruiser would jump in if it died it's like well i mean that happens. I hope I tank long enough that the rest of the team wins. But now I know all these little intricacies. May's slow CC too has also kind of made a world where I might want to be unstoppable pretty often. Once I've gone inevitable end, now I'm missing soul siphon. Mm -hmm. And I start thinking to myself, maybe mortality or even memento mori might be really good here. Well, if I'm going to do inevitable end at 13 anyway, maybe I should play around with Massacre or Throwing Shade or Black Harvest. I mean, it's definitely a possibility. That's the thing. It's, it's, I, there's interesting trait talents. I mean, your trait talents, Black Harvest, longer duration, nothing exciting there. Ethereal Existence, which is 30 Fizz armor. Again, you generally die to burst on, on Mouth Ale. You can usually out sustain one auto attacker. Um, so I don't think that's really the talent either. Um, so if it gave spell armor, 30 spell armor, I think that would be, that would be it for, for trait building. Finally, Memento Mori deals 90% increased damage after afflicting an enemy for more than four seconds. And what's your trait damage normally? It's uh 1.75 per second. So we're about three 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 point five percent per second that's still not even that fast like if you think about it it's still not even that fast and it takes four seconds to ramp up um because again if you look at someone like orphea who at level 16 um is effectively doing something like 1200 dps to a single target um there's no tank that 3.5% is, is equal to. And it's just like, I mean, I know he's a bruiser, but he's one of the squishiest bruisers. So I feel like they could ramp up the momentum Mori quite a bit more, either lower the time that it takes to start proccing, or they could honestly ramp it up to like 150 before a lot of people will, uh, will look at it too seriously. But I mean, I could be wrong. 3.5% constantly to a few people. 
maybe it's just way more than than I'm thinking. Does he have a 20 talent for trait? He doesn't, right? No, no, he's he 20 pounds. Uh, just uh, no one can stop and then upgrades and, and final he, curtain. I mean, final curtain, which leaves the trail on the ground for four seconds, would help you to reach four seconds more reliably. But as you mentioned, in this world of something like last rights, and I'm gonna trade before I go down. No one can stop death just feels right still. Yeah. But I mean, really, yeah. in the end, it's it's the art team. It's, to use the Magic the Gathering scenario again, it's you got this really ugly, weird, like, doll that has death touch, and you're like, I don't want to run a, ooh, this badass snake, 1-1 one, one death touch. I'm going to run, like, everything about Mentimore, when that laser's going and the black soul stones vibrating, it just makes me feel like I'm kicking ass. Yeah. It's I I really would like that talent to be more competitive, especially since you lose healing too. like if you're going to go an AOE build and you want something more AOE soul collector adds so much healing to you while mortality allows you generally going more W's so you can stay out of the fight more. So it's like mortality is if you want to kill things a little bit faster. Mortality is if you want to kill things a lot faster. Soul collectors, if you want to kill things a little bit faster and also be tankier. Momentum Mori is like. Well, in four seconds, you might be killing things a little bit faster. And it's like, I think they honestly could ramp this one up a lot. In two turns, draw three even cards. Realizing it. I need three cards now kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, that's pretty much, it's just like, it's so slow that I think they can enhance it quite a bit. And, and I, I, I seriously would want to see them just throw it to 150 to see what it does like that that's been always my thing with balance on on some things like these underutilized talents that they're slightly buffing for like seven patches in a row like i just want to see them like triple its value sometime and just see what what happens you know there's so many talents that like are never picked that i'm like what would happen if you just like tripled its value and then just like maybe started lowering it after people like went a little crazy with it i don't know I guess I'm just I'm there with Memento Mori, right? I'm like, uh, I just ready for it to be a thing. It. Yeah, it's, it takes so long to build up, and it's competing against such great talents that it's just like triple it. Let's see what happens. Hundred fifty percent. Well, my guess would be that Varian is one of these. Let's see what happens because Varian surprisingly got touched up with mm-hmm. a little bit more health, a damage bonus increase on Lion's Maw. High King's Quest Regen Globe collection requirements for the quest reduced from 20 to 15. And a little bit of cooldown reduction on Demoralizing Shout come 20. But what I've heard is that this has pushed Taunt Varian into high health status. Below yep. the Cho'Gals and the Stitches are extremes of health. But now absolutely hanging out with the best of the tanks in terms yeah, of numbers. Yeah, I... I- I think this is good for Taunt Varian. I think Taunt Varian, people like Fury have already showed that Taunt Varian is a competitive tank. Um, I always thought Taunt Varian was a good tank for Storm League if you are with someone who can follow up your taunt. So a two-person queue, three-person queue. Um, I think I think Taunt Varian's great, and we've seen him in competitive get some work done. I think he just needed a tiny bit of help, and I think this is exactly what he needed. The only thing that I'm like a little confused on is like i i need to do the the numbers a bit on if lion's maw is worth more now than overpower as a taunt variant or if that's still gonna stay as just like a colossal smash talent um which is something that i'll probably run a little bit later to see like what the average i get off of all of my overpowers and what the average i get off of all of my lion's maws but overall uh 
I think these are great changes. They they made Twin Blades a little bit more consistent. Uh, the Globes were usually... Globes and takedowns were usually your bottlenecks. Um, because getting the 50 hits, you can usually get rather quickly, especially after level 7 when you heal yourself. Then getting 20 Globes you, you was oftentimes the last thing that you would get. So now it's 15 Globes for High King's Quest. Demoralizing Shout competes with the lower cooldown on your banner. Um, so... Moving it down to a 20 second cooldown for those who don't know what Demoralizing Shout does, it reduces the enemy hero's damage by 40% for five seconds. So going into a 20 second cooldown instead of a 25 is an okay change. But what it competes with is level 16, most people go Banner of Iron Forge. It lasts 12 seconds, reduces damage by 20%. Um, and that drops it down to a 22 second cooldown, which means that. The uptime of these two things, do you want less damage initially or do you want less damage over the course of pretty much an entire fight? And so not only that, but it's also going to increase the healing um, received from all nearby heroes, which is your self-healing as well as your healer's healing. So it's competing with an incredible talent. I think the Moralizing Shout's going to need more than that to be able to to take over glory of their glory to the alliance at level 20 alex straza abundance range increased yeah uh they mentioned that there was i guess an alex straza issue where she now move i'm not really familiar with this but they increased everyone's movement speed so preservation uh, what happened here? What, you, so okay, so what happened is this, and I'm I'm actually surprised I didn't I didn't know this. Um, but before they buffed movement speed, if you used your W at max range and were not slowed, and you were running away from someone, you will always get to your W as it pops. So if you're ever running away and you need to throw a W on yourself, you throw it at max range so you don't need to stop running away. You just continue running away and you'll always get it. When they increase the movement speed of heroes, if you throw your W at max range and you're running, you'll actually outrange your W. You'll, you'll walk through your W before it pops. It's kind of a small thing because you can always just stop for a second and then continue on. Um, but I guess that's their answer to this. Overall, this is more of like a compensation than a buff. Um, and I don't think it's going to really feel like a buff to most people. So it's more of just like a compensation. We talked about it when like they reduced the size of hitboxes that they would probably need to compensate for a lot of people. And when they increase the movement speed, they might need to compensate for a lot of people. This is like, just a straightforward compensation that probably it was, it was on a problem that like not a lot of people really did that. I, I didn't really, I didn't really realize this was a thing on Alex Straza. And like Alex Straza was one of the people that I used to get to grandmasters the first time. One of the heroes that I loved was like um, playing Alex Straza to drop that W like, and just full combo your W's heal an entire team for like three health bars. Like I loved Alex Straza. Um, and I, I never really realized this is what, what it was. Like, I, I didn't realize if you W'd at max range, that was the same time it took to walk there. I mean, that's really um, elegant. Like, that's cool that they yeah. had it set up that way. And therefore, Alex Straza mains missed it when the movement change 
happened. Yeah. Therefore, they got it back and they got a nice little buff uh, along with and, it. And the cool part is like a patch like th- like a, a, a thing like this is actually a great teaching moment, in my opinion, because it they explain what it does and how to do it. Yeah. Like, hey, we're fixing an issue. And by the way, you can do this. It'd be like, like every time they oh. buff Sammy or mess with his illusions, they're like, by the way, everybody, here's the step-by-step process for doing here's the hearth trick. Here's how you do the, the hearthstone <laughs> trick. You yeah. mount instantly. I was watching a game where the, a bunch of people were, t- were chasing a, a Samuro, and he did the hearthstone trick instead of just hearthing. And I was like, you could have just stayed there. He, he literally went, he was like, he was getting chased by like three people and he was at like 10% health and he got up in his corner and right as they got up there, he was at 50% health and then died. And I was like, you could have just stayed back. You were safe. <laughs> Why'd you do the trick? Like some people get so caught up on that. They can, that they don't see if they should, you know, Jurassic like they, Park, yeah. it's, oh man. Yeah. But yeah, we're at Alarak now. Yeah. Yep. Moving on to Alarak, <laughs> whose mocking strikes got additional functionality. I don't fully understand this talent, so hopefully you can help me here. Yeah. So what this talent used to do is, if they were CC'd and you would basic attack them, it would lower the cooldown of your basic or of all of your abilities by I think it was like two point five. Um, but they had to be CC'd. If you hit a hero that was C, you basically attack a hero that's CC'd, lowers all your ability cooldowns. Now what it does is if you basically attack a hero, no matter if they're CC'd or not, you'll lower your cooldowns by 1.5 seconds. If they are CC'd, it's three seconds. Um, okay. What, what this does, I mean, generally when they, when they created this talent, what they were thinking was you pull someone in, you silence them with a Q, you get a couple basic attacks and you've got your pullback off cooldown. So you can pull them back in and you can queue them again. Um, but silence isn't really enough to get a bunch of basic attacks off because of, uh, I mean, they just walk away and you can't oh, really keep up with movement them. speed even. Yeah. So, so where I've recommended um, this to, to someone and it's worked out for him is they just barely gave him i mean not barely but a few patches ago they gave him a level one talent overpower sorry overwhelming power um hitting an enemy hero with discord strike your q uh grants 40 percent attack speed and causes your basic attacks to heal 50 percent of the damage dealt so you can do a lot more damage with your your basic attacks and you can heal making him have a little bit better trades um in the solo lane and then I tell them to go hindered motion so that when you pull them in, you can get those three auto attacks off every time that you land a silence. Um, well, if you combo that now with mocking strikes, you can pull them in. They're slowed. They're silenced. You get three auto attacks. There's half their health bar. You pull them in again. You silence them. Three more auto attacks. They're dead. And so in the solo lane... You can beat a lot of people. The change to Mocking Strike doesn't really change that, but it does make it a little bit more consistent because Alarak in this build or this playstyle is kind of awful if you miss even a single Q. So say you're going against Chen, which is part of the reason why, why I, I really like this build, and he jumps right before you land your Q. He, you pull him in. You go for your Q, he jumps, you lose everything, and mm. Chen wins that matchup 100% of the time. Um, 
mocking strikes you don't get till 16 so it's not a huge deal but in team fights it's going to allow you a little bit more consistency in that play style is this going to be the play style you should play alarak in competitive no could you run Solane and alarak in the, in the soul and alarak um yes in storm league um one of the guys I was coaching, he, he's got a 79% win rate with Soul Lane Alarak, and that's before the Mocking Strikes change. Um, and that's just with that. It's because people aren't expecting how much burst you actually have at level one by just landing Lethal Onslaught, or not Lethal Onslaught, um, uh, Overwhelming Power, and just getting three or four auto attacks. You win pretty much every trade against most people. So, okay, um, I like that a lot. Then. Yeah. So we're basically saying that by 16, you should know as Alarak if you're landing auto attacks or not. You may have invested further in an auto attack build along the way. Yeah. Now at 16, you don't also have to assess, am I landing auto attacks and are they on CC'd people? That's a nice bonus, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, the other thing to think about is just it shaves off three seconds per basic attack. So in competitive, all your team really cares about is the pull and the silence. And if you did happen to go like the the pool cooldown plus the um plus out of sixteen, two basic attacks, you have your pull and silence back up. So even in the competitive scene, if your team needs a little bit less damage and more CC, there is a world that mocking strikes might be picked up just for that more CC. I mean, I don't I don't really see it in competitive. Um, there's really good talents at sixteen. I mean, generally people just go lightning barrage because there's like that off chance you just get like five procs of it um but uh yeah it's uh, i don't know i mean it's definitely one of those changes that will make it a more consistent talent because you don't have to hit people that are cc'd so i I think it's a cool change but will it change much of the gameplay probably not speaking of consistency that's what asmodan's buff is about this is really exciting if you've ever tried out any of his All Shall Burn talents and realize how disappointing it is when the person dies too early and you get none of the benefits of those sweet full channel All Shall Burns. So what's happening now is that they've gone through and made so that Asmodan's talents still go off, in fact go off early, if the target dies. So this is now Master of Destruction at level 7. This is basically a full build you can do across the board. All Shall Burn... Uh, damage applies to all nearby enemies for annihilation per hero hit target dies pop that in the area mm-hmm. uh cyanes or the spider lady from diablo uh, 3 her yes, kiss i don't know Stidia? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure today you would heal eight percent of your max health if the target didn't die you wouldn't get that max health so asmodans were compensating by channeling this on minions but it's not allowed on minions so it didn't work anyway Hellrift, full duration, you get a Demon Warrior, and Demon Warriors deal 100% increased mm-hmm. damage for 5 seconds. And then level 20, Sin's Grasp, All Shall Burn slows the target by 15%. If All Shall Burn channels its full duration, the cooldown is reduced by 50%, and the enemy is slowed by 50%. So now these are all capable with the talents if that target dies. Which I guess I guess Sin's Grasp really wouldn't benefit too, too much, but still. Yeah, it's uh, it's I mean it's interesting. It's um it's one of those that uh 
Uh, it, it's tricky. It's it's a build that like I know McIntyre when he came back and started playing Hots a lot. Um, this was the build that he wanted to go is like summon a bunch of things, buff them all up after level sixteen by channeling a full E. Um, but the real problem with that build there were there were two problems. It's the it's the zag problem that uh, your your minions might not be attacking the same target. So just again chaos damage which you top all the charts but you get nothing done and the other problem is that your your e gets interrupted a lot um i think this is a good change will it fix the overarching problems of uh asmodan no but i think it's just a simple step in the right direction it's a fun step i'm just happy it exists because i have not been into asmodan he's one of my higher level heroes but when we went to q stacking I, I'm just not into it. Yeah. And this gives me an alternative that is targeted that I will enjoy. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing is like his rework was cool because it made it to where all of your abilities felt impactful. But at the same time, it's like it, there's really no E build anymore. I mean, it's, and, and it's concerning if you do go something that's E build because if something dies, you're useless for the rest of that fight. And they did fix that part of it. But if you get interrupted, you're still useless for the rest of that fight. So it's, it's a tricky build. Um, but again, it's a simple step in the right direction that I, I think they, I think it's a good step. I really do. Moving on to a surprise, and they noted it themselves, Falstad buff. Uh, he had basically hasn't been touched in a long time, so they decided to hit some of his lower-performing talents or underpicked talents, as well as touching up Hinterland Blast, which is now going to have reduced mana cost, and the cooldown reduction from hitting enemy heroes went up from 25 to 30. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Hinterland's is a tricky one i for me with hinderlands it's just it's cooldown so long that like you can't ever take risks with it you always have to use it on cc targets and even then it doesn't seem worth the cooldown and even if you get that cooldown reduction so with them increasing the cooldown reduction by a little bit it's a little more reliable but like you need to hit two people for it to be at the point at the cooldown where I personally think it should be naturally without the cooldown reduction effect in it. Um, and so hitting two people is pretty reasonable. Um, the other changes, I mean, gathering storm up for uh, 1.5 to two. I, I've been running that in, in brawl and I like, I don't even feel it's that strong in brawl. So it makes me wonder when you're in a real game, how that talent feels when you should be spending the majority of the game like double soaking and getting cams that talent's got to feel really bad um because in brawls you're getting constant stacks all in the game with 100 stacks and it still doesn't even feel that strong it feels like i'm just poking people my whole build's based around like landing one ability that does like an extra 400 damage maybe um it's so oh yeah it's it's a weird artifact i i don't want to return to false dad dominance because he was a mage with a great auto attack and mobility and global and camp ability and all these sort of things. But at the same time, I have to remind myself that we ran Falstad as that coverall mage because we didn't have Orphea. We didn't, we didn't have a ton of the different mages we now have or reworked Tassadar. All these heroes were being made up for with the way we played Ta- uh, Falstad. Now we got options. So maybe Gathering Storm isn't on the horizon. Yeah, 
it's it's interesting. I'll leave it at that. Updraft sixty to seventy percent on the shield. I just think it, it's not quite there compared to the the shield that your W build can bring or the the hammer gains. It's just bread and butter for most Falstad builds. Um, and uh, secret weapon. I mean, I I liked this talent at eighty percent, ninety percent is just even more. Uh, I think secret weapon is Falstad's actual secret weapon if you need bursty single target damage where boomerang is bursty aoe damage um you lose double soaking potential but what you gain is one of the highest single target bursts in the game like it's it's kind of crazy um and i guess it your definition of burst too because like naturally if you only had one second out like bullet but um but if you have like three seconds, you can do more damage with Secret Weapon Falstad um, around like level 16 ish than most auto attackers in the game. Like it's crazy how much damage you can do. Uh, so I still think that's, again, the secret weapon for Falstad. Uh, it's such a huge potential. You throw that out, you activate the increased attack speed, you've got that percent health, and then whatever you're attacking, just 100 to zeros uh, before that Q comes back to you. It's crazy. It's um, not anything you're going to notice, really, on the enemy side. You you have to play Falstead to understand what Secret Weapon is even doing. And it's that if your hammer is out, you're getting this bonus increase to your auto attack. Mm-hmm. It just... It's not readable. I, it's not something you blind either. It, it is a cool talent. It's a cool playstyle. I really enjoy auto attack Falstead, but I still feel like the lightning rod provides not only the merc camps, but that playstyle we've come to expect from him as a pursuer, as a connected body. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's definitely going to be a tricky one um, to to see what happens with that. I mean. I like the epic mount change. They did the same thing with Tahaka. Uh, they made it to where uh, the cooldown reduction of your level 20 mobility talent is much lower. Um, I think the thing about this is at a level 20 talent, it's 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 too late for a talent like that Most in most cases. Mm. You've already done enough split pushing that you don't really need that anymore. And I, I think that's where like Tahaka and Falstad why those talents aren't that popular is because it's just too late. It's, I mean, Falzad has picked more than Dahaka's, but that's also because Dahaka has, I mean, Contagion. Um, but yeah, it's, I just think it's too late for those types of talents. Like they could buff them a lot more and they still wouldn't even be overpowered. Like you, your, your Z could be like a five second cooldown and they probably still wouldn't be overpowered. Well, that's a great point. And those talents maybe were more popular because they were fun in the past. But also we had entirely different tower building metas. Mm. Uh, the catapult spawning early too yeah. changed a lot how we soak in the late game, which is... I mean, there used don't. to be tower ammo. Yeah. And there used to be extra towers around. Like People forget, there used to be a tower behind the wall. Let's dive on to and speed through a couple of uh, sure. underperforming talents or builds they wish they were just better. This first comes to Lunara, who's got some Blossom Swell buffs, Accelerated Contamination, and Starwood Spear. So basically, at first we're looking at a Noxious Blossom buff that is more readable, more executable. Uh, Previously, increased Noxious Blossom's range by 25%, which it's still doing with the radius of 20%. 
Hitting an enemy here with Noxious Blossom increases Lunara's movement speed by 15% for 3 seconds. The way she moves, this made this extremely odd. Now instead, it applies two stacks of Nature's Toxin to the enemy's hit. A bit more seductive. Yeah, it's, uh... So, after they buffed the level 7 Q talent, it became the, the main talent for most Lunara mains. Um, they, they buffed it to, let me pull up Lunara really quick. Um, they made her level seven talent, um, the choking pollen, uh, deals hundred percent more damage to enemies afflicted by nature's toxin and 150% more damage to targets that have three stacks. And so what people will do is they'll usually throw one auto, throw out a Q, um, or if they're on a target and they're waiting for their Q to come back, they'll get like two autos, a W, and then a Q, and you'll do um, a huge amount of damage. And this is a talent that allows Lunara to be a little bit more burstier on the targets that she wants to go on, rather than just going Splintered Spear, which was the old thing that she would take, just slowly whittle everyone down. But most healers could keep up with that healing. Or that 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 damage. So choking pollen kind of allows Lunara's to be burstier without needing to rely on leaping strike. They naturally will use leaping strike, but now with the changes, um, this is really really big for Lunara. I think, um, like the the potential of of buffing your your like having a lower cooldown. Um, seems well now hold on i'm a little confused now sorry i'm i'm reading this and for some reason i thought in the patch notes it said that it recharged 100% faster i'm looking in game and it's saying that it's 75 um oh no it was previously 100% faster so they nerfed it Right, so you're looking at accelerated contamination. Yes. So the big change on that one is that... So it it, it went from needing two people afflicted with nature's toxins to just one, one, but but then it it lowered it a little bit. Exactly, exactly. I I think then it might not change her builds that much. Well, it has a place. There are those instances like Hanamura where I find myself not in so much need of something like nature's calling and maybe up against something like a Chromie that I would benefit from having increased range against because I'm never mm-hmm. going to invest my auto attack self so deep as to pressure Chromie. Now putting two stacks on her is very interesting. I was already yeah. doing a Starwood Spear pretty frequently, and this has a really, really low pick rate. So they baked in a little bit of range to it. Now you automatically get a 0.5 increase to your range, which isn't huge, but they knock that off the time where you're at 2.25, previously 2.75 yeah. for six seconds for auto attacking with increased range. So it, it's, it's a new build in a sense for Lunara that will give her those opportunities when you're probably not playing Nazebo <laughs> Lunara and destroying structures and doing more mm-hmm. objective based things. Yeah, it, uh, I, I mean, Starwood's interesting. I, I, I generally go on auto attack builds on Lunara just because it's like I, I don't play her enough to to know the 
the order of which you're supposed to drop down your Q, your auto attacks um, in order to get the most damage out of everything. So I just go auto attack build when I do end up getting Lunara. But even at 16, I don't usually go Starwood Spear. That extra range is nice, but you can get increase in attack speed and percent health damage if you go Invigorating Spores. It's, I guess it's kind of a safety thing where you want that extra range, but you lose out on a good portion of damage. Um, it's like 40% of your damage that you get increased by grabbing invigorating spores. So I don't know. Um, I don't know how much it'll end up changing Lunara's builds with the talent changes, but we'll have to see. What's going on with Orphea? Because this is a talent incentivization as well, but it all turns into Orphea goop in my ears. Yeah, so I, I play a lot of Orphea. Uh, in my opinion, she's like one of the best Storm League mages. And I think that she's an amazing competitive mage as well that's just being underutilized. Uh, in her standard trait build, uh, she's practically a bruiser. If she can land her W, she gets a shield equal to 10% of her health. Her next basic attack heals her equal to 10% of her health. And that's all on a 1.5 second cooldown, which is now a 2 second cooldown because of the level 7 change. So that's the only real nerf that they gave to the W build, or the, the trait build anyways, was they moved it from 1.5 to 2, which I think is the best change. I, I think it moves it from where I consider it to be overpowered to strong. Um, and maybe it wasn't really overpowered. It, it probably moves it from strong to just less, less strong, but it's still very strong. Then they buffed underutilized talents. Um, the Q talent, uh, Allegrissimo, um, they made it uh, level four. They made it to where not only does it reduce the cooldown of Shadow Waltz by one second, um, sorry, not only does it reduce the cooldown if you hit someone, um, they've, I think, I feel like this is flipped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it used to only be if you hit someone with your Q. It sets a cooldown to 0.75 seconds. Now it's just a flat decrease of one second cooldown, which is going to add to the consistency of Q build. The problem with Q build on Orphea is if you miss that Q, you are useless for the for the next four se- well five seconds. And now it's for four seconds, you're useless, which still sucks because most fights are determined in like the first three to five seconds. So to be useless for a good portion of how how long most fights are are determined really really sucks but it's a step in the right direction level 20 they're just trying to have some fun i think um so with eternal feast uh it's getting a new functionality so where it used to increase your attack speed while eternal feast is going now it's going to increase the rate your basic abilities recharge so you kind of get icy veins while your um while your eternal feast is going off this is a great ult in combination with like a Leoric's and Tomb. Leoric and Tomb's one target, you throw an ult out, and now you have Icy Veins going for as long as Eternal Feast is going. Uh, which, if there's an Entomb out, you've got it going for four seconds. So it does kind of work as an Icy Veins. It's just a really late one. Um, and then uh, they changed Engulfing Oblivion, which was the other talent. Um <laughs> The or they just they just adjusted it anyways. The armor reduction duration is being increased. So if you ult people with your other the the chomp that pulls them all in, um, it will lower their armor by twenty five for three seconds. And then if you get a kill, it still has that five second reset. And then finally, we have final Takata, um, which is you can activate it and it instantly resets the cooldown of your Q, your Shadow Waltz. 
Um, and then for the next six seconds, dashing with shadow waltz resets its cooldown. So if you queue someone, if you didn't go Q build, because the thing is, is if you did go Q build, the cooldown's low enough to where when you dash, you're already going to have no cooldown. But if you didn't go Q build, you now have essentially the Q talent level four. Um, just Q dash Q dash Q dash as often as you need it for six seconds. I never really thought this one was that good. Um, just because if you're in the build where Q gets the most value, you don't really need that. And if you're in any other build, there's other talents you're going to take. Like Eldritch Conduit, for example, which wasn't touched. Um, they can give you up to 30 spell armor. So it's... Or sorry, not 30 spell armor. 30 spell power. Um, but yeah, overall, they're buffing underutilized talents. And then they're slightly nerfing the trait build. Seems like there's a lot of very cool stuff you can do with Orphea in the late game. If this came down to more 1v1 fight. However, late game fights are often team fights at objectives, and we'll kind of stick to our old ways of playing her. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I don't think too much will change there. Sergeant Hammer, though. Yeah, this is uh, quite the little flip around they're doing, particularly when it comes to the Maelstrom rounds, which have changed rather dramatically. Uh, previously, this was activate to increase basic attack damage dealt by 35% for 5 seconds. Hitting structures with basic attacks reduces the cooldown, so you can have that buff more often. Now, the damage is only to 30%. The cooldown has been increased, and basic attacking enemy heroes while in siege mode reduces the cooldown for this 30% buff. Yeah, so it competes generally with ambush. Um, ambush is gain stealth while entering siege mode, or after not taking or dealing damage for 3 seconds, um, when you basic attack out of stealth, you do 100% more damage. That's what it's competing with. So in order to get the same value out of Maelstrom rounds, you need to get a little more than three attacks, uh, three to four, really, attacks to make it equal to ambush. Um, if you can get four attacks, it's way worth it to go Maelstrom rounds, four attacks. Um, and... So the, the challenge really becomes because you're you're probably not gonna get two Maelstrom rounds in one team fight, um, where you'll most likely get two ambushes. If you're going to get two sets of Maelstrom rounds, you're also probably gonna get two ambushes. So um because you don't ever have a fight that's just gonna st like actually go on for that long as Sergeant Hammer. I mean Maybe if you're like a hyper carry where your whole team's just trying to keep you alive and you, you've just got like a, a stim drone or something, then I think Maelstrom rounds will be better. But if you're just an extra piece of a team comp, ambush is probably still going to be the pick. I would say the only times is like if you're hyper carrying, you'll Maelstrom rounds will honestly, it will be a pretty good option for hyper carrying. Um, because you'll likely be hitting multiple people, you'll be stim drone, so you'll be able to get a lot of hits off in those five seconds and lower the cooldown quite a bit. Um, the other thing to remember is that Maelstrom Rounds stores three charges. So if the fight is going for a while, it's a very valuable talent. Then let's say you get out of that objective fight. If you can just consistently poke the tank, you can build up all of those charges back up. So um, I don't know. I like Maelstrom Rounds a lot, but I did uh, talk to a couple of the CCL damage players and they said most likely it's still going to be Ambush. So I don't know. I, I kind of like the change, though. Why personally. is that on Ambush? I, you get stealth, and then you deal bonus damage on your first auto attack, correct? 
it's just burstier yeah the first okay. auto attack you do double damage and that's really all it is it's just burstier like um and and you got to remember that while you're using like hover siege you can move around and stealth a little bit um and so if you need to leave a fight for a second you'll get stealthed again and then you go back in the fight and you get another crit um but generally it's just again most fights are determined in like the first three seconds and the faster you can get damage out the better and in that case that's that's ambush someone gets hit by a cc ambush gets a bunch of crit damage right away where maelstrom rounds you need to land that three to four basic three three basic attacks realistically to equal what you get from that instant ambush damage and most people most ccs don't last long enough for you to get three basic attacks off so it's just it's just the fast damage um that you get from ambush i would encourage any hammer players to go read the particulars of some of the other talents like pulse detonation core and mechanical know-how have both changed rather dramatically the one that most hammers are probably going to interact with is going to be the graduating range which has mm-hmm. now had its was previously basic attack range is increasing by one every three seconds up to three and now that basic attack range increases slower from three i to think two. it's faster. faster every three yeah, seconds faster. to two seconds yes 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 yeah so it's like just a little bit faster it'll grow it's a good talent for like volskaya you can sit on the edge of volskaya and have range that covers the entire point we got and this is this is the final juicy one, perhaps, that I want to get to for the day. Because we have a mind control buff for Sylvanas. Mind control cooldown reduced to 40 seconds. And at level 20, you can take that cooldown now to 15 seconds, should you desire. This is, of course, following the mind control buff that allowed it to have withering fire stacks on that target preloaded up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I said when this hits 30 second cooldown, it'll be a competitive talent. Um, we're getting there. Uh, I, I like the the level 20 upgrades interesting because the other thing that it does is heroes that are mind controlled have their vision radius greatly reduced for five seconds. So that means that if you keep hitting the same person, their vision is reduced for 30% of the time. I mean, naturally, if you land a mind control on someone three times or even two times, one time they should die, but um, again, the only reason why this talent's so rough is the same thing that I've said. Most fights in competitive are decided in the first three seconds, three mm. to five seconds. If you can silence a team for that first three seconds, or two to two point five, anyways, um, you won the you won the fight. And so, in order to compete with Wailing Arrow, mind control needs to be very good. And it's getting there. I like. I generally like lower cooldown ultimate abilities because I feel like there's more opportunities to pick someone in between, like a fight, uh, in between objectives. You get a quick pick, and then you get something of value. So I like it. Um, I I'm willing to try it more, and I do think it kind of brings back W build a little bit because having them already have three stacks means that you can mind control in W, and you get interesting you get whatever yeah yeah and you could potentially even run without festering wounds it's getting low enough on the cooldown you can almost run without festering wounds and run lost souls and just stack a lot faster because what will end up happening is this you mind control a target they get three stacks of banshee's curse you lost souls them and you basic attack them a few times and your cooldown's low enough that you can throw a second w on them before you so it's there is a weird world where you change the build around and W build comes back a little bit. 
Um, the Koreans never stopped playing W build, but they they're not running mind control. But I, I do wonder. That's all. I, I, no, I I'm I, not the, sure. Yeah. Withering Bra's change is, is nice, but uh, it's it's a lot of wonder for me on this uh, particular change. Like, how much is it actually going to affect? How good is it now with the forty second cooldown? And my initial thought of it needed to be thirty for it to be competitive. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, everything I've heard from everybody who tried it is, wow, that was kind of nice. If only it did something in an AOE, perhaps silenced in an AOE, this would be a great talent. Oh, right. wait, I should have picked the other talent instead. You know, like if they made the level 20, um, when you when you land it, it reduces vision for everyone around it. I think that'd be a cool change where like you don't know who got mind controlled, but you know someone got mind controlled. It definitely like, needs to have that a party be, I, wide I wish effect. there were more vision talents. I think vision is so underrated when you get isolated. It feels bad. And like, I wish there were more vision talents. I think vision talents are very underrated. It's easy for solo queue players to assume that a vision talent is useless to a five stack. But that's just another level of communication that most five stacks do not have prepared. I've Mm -hmm. done blind as a bat, tried to get some help where I'm aiming, uh, isolations. You just run to your side of the map because you're not sure what's going on. They're already doing their own shot calls. They do work still. So there's also lots of like little bugs. Sometimes people are still visible at times because they hit you with a spell that has some duration right before you got blind. So you know where they are for a little bit. Maybe it's just something on the development end that can be trouble. Yeah. No, I agree. Our final buff is to Tychus's level one quarterback. And they're going to be increasing the damage of that grenade by 20%. Should you also choose to make a deal or have 50% increased range? And this is so it can compete with the other level one talents for Tychus. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think we all said it um, when they did the the extra range talent press the advantage. Um, we, we pretty much said that that was going to be a like 100% pick rate in uh, in just like Storm League. It's just it's. It's really good. In competitive, dash is still being used. Press the advantage is being used a little bit. I like the idea of quarterback um, getting that damage buff because I think that is what it needs to be competitive. The thing about W is that is your burst. Like That's your finisher usually. Bigger they are is such a powerful talent to get someone low, but you could never finish them off. So... Having your W be a great finisher is not bad. And seeing as like W cooldown, it's 10 seconds, but with the new level seven in there as well, um, your W could do quite a bit now. I mean, not only is one W level seven going to be enough to to just wipe a wave so you can double soak on Tychus, but um, that could be a lot of extra burst if you just pick one target in a team fight. Like naturally, you're always good at melting a tank, but um let's say someone else steps up for a second even just a small amount of time trait get them to half health q w they're dead and um so i think there is kind of a world where w comes back a little bit the only thing that i wish a w build had to kind of make this whole thing work which i personally think it would be great on a level four talent tier um is a method to like lower its cooldown Mm. because right now if there's blinds against tychus there's no build that you can go um and like you go Q, but that's not until 1316. Um, I think a W build would be kind of cool to like you pick Tychus, they pick a bunch of blinds, and then you just take like 
quarterback on one, a W talent on four that lowers your your uh, grenade cooldown. You take melting point at seven. Uh, level 13, you can take like Neo Steel or whatever. And then level 16, you take Titan Grenade. And now you're just chucking grenades out left and right that are all doing uh, percent health damage, more damage, uh, lower their cooldowns. And I think that would be a cool change and a different play style of Tychus. That would be kind of fun. More of a mage than an auto attacker. Um, and it would compete more with like his current play styles that are very dominant. Well, it's kind of the Vala treatment that happened so long ago with her first rework when we got into more of like a Hungering Arrow build. If mm-hmm. you were blind out, you can still go this other build, which is actually very snappy and very good at these other things as well. Oh, yeah. My trouble with quarterback, and they even said so in the dev comments here, that we, we just thought taking a level 7 talent and putting it at 1 would be powerful enough, but people aren't picking it. It's kind of the Nazebo Ravenous Spirit problem where... I don't really know what my enemy team is going to be doing early on. So I look at range and I see dash and I go, both these will be 100% usable. But until I've experienced a couple team fights, I don't know if I want quarterback. So it was, yeah. it was a great choice later because I was getting more information at that point. Like we did with Tyrande's spell armor and it was hard to pick that talent level one because you just didn't know how they were going to play. Yeah, it, it it is true. It's like... That talent's tricky because, I mean, it feels bad now that it was nerfed. It feels bad for, like, your average game, even though it was only nerfed because of armor stacking, and they never buffed it back up after they removed armor stacking. And it's like, I feel like they should buff back up Tyrande's, but, I mean, whatever. She's also um, doing fine in win rates and all she's doing She's doing all right. She's doing all right. I think, like, Deckard's kind of replacing her in the competitive scene, but I think she's all right. But we come to the end of the patch. We have received buffs for Malganus, Dahaka, Leoric, Varian, Alexstrasza, Falstad, if you do Hinterland Blast and off builds, of course, uh, Sylvanas, nerfs to Diva and Gazlo, and lots of retools, rebalance, and incentivization to underpick talents. The first kind of through line I noticed in this patch was cruisers. Or offlane, if you want to include uh, Alarak, maybe. Do you think this is shaken up the core of our bruiser rock, paper, scissors matchups? Or are there but there's seven or so other bruisers who weren't touched? Are we gonna remain in the same place? Um, I, I think right now it was more about just answering the problems that they created, which was Diva and Gazlo. And I think I think they did a good job. I think that the the Diva change is probably enough she was already kind of at that point where a lot of people knew how to deal with her now um and they already nerfed her a little bit i i think this was the change that needed to happen for her i think gazla will see i think this will get rid of his meta build um but like his mage build was barely touched by that change so um which it wasn't overpowered so i i think that i honestly think these were good changes to the bruiser area um i think they again they created fun heroes created problems with those fun heroes, and I think they've answered those problems now. And Dahaka, Leoric, uh, have they risen? I think the Dahaka changes are wild. I think Dahaka, it was already very strong, just people played him poorly, and I think that's crazy. Um, The Leoric changes were a surprise. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference in where Leoric is picked in competitive. But I do think he's a much more reasonable pick in in more places in Storm League. So I I like that change. If you were to 
as we've been requested, give yes. this patch a rating. In your own rating system, it can be stars, it can be out of 10, it can be uh, two out of three keeps. You know, whatever your system of choice is for rating this patch, what would you say? So, I, I'm a little torn. Like, I, as a balanced patch, they resolved probably the issues that people thought the most overpowered heroes were at this point. Um, they, they resolved it. The, for the, like, they, they've at least looked into it and they've put some, some band-aids on it. And it could definitely be enough. So I think that's great. And that's exactly what a balanced patch should do. Um, something that I like that they do that a lot of other teams don't do as often is buffing things that are underutilized. Um, I see way too often in like Overwatch balance patches where it's just nerfs across the board. Um, and I like that they're hitting all these underutilized talents. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a seven in the sense of a balance patch where it's just it does exactly what a balance patch should do, but it doesn't do anything that really like blew my mind. It was mainly just it did everything that a balance patch should do. It's a great like maintenance patch um, that might build up into, hey, let's rework something later. Let's fix every problem that we've created. Let's let's just do a little bit of like light stuff and then we might rework something later. And so that to me, seven out of ten maintenance balance patch solid. Nice. That's a good score. I think for my own passions of things like Malganus and even some off builds to Asmodan, even that Lunara build, I'd, I'd give it a personal. Uh, let I'd, let's do let's do four stars. Let's do a four star for me. Four I, stars. Yeah, I okay. like it. Out of five, you know, it's it's, it's a nice, classy place. It's clean. Mm. It it, ha- it has a point. Uh, we did, uh, I didn't see any notes of bugs at the end of this patch, but we did fix Kerrigan, correct? That, I don't know. Let me scroll down. Um, oh, I don't know, actually. Because I saw that she was allowed again. So that made me assume. But, yeah, she's probably fixed. I don't actually know what the problem ever was. The, I... She was getting a bacon of half of a level 7 talent that increased her lane clear. Uh, the one that dealed bonus damage to, I think, minions and monsters. Oh, okay. Therefore, she didn't have to pick that talent. She could pick other talents, and having that at level one made her... Way yeah, clear. Yeah. Know, powerful. But uh, from what I've heard, the tournaments are accepting Kerrigans again. And with that, we come to the end of today's show. Before I do the whole rundown, though, not Paradox, you were the guest. Where can people find your stuff? So, uh, most people know me from YouTube. I have educational content for Heroes of Storm that I've been making for uh, two years now. And for each level, I've made video guides for people that are moving up in ranks. I smurf so you can kind of see. I did the dirty work. I went to the places <laughs> you guys didn't want to go. I went to bronze for you. Um, no, I, I wanted to show people what you can do in each rank. And I did it in a way where I tried not to do like the crazy mechanics, right? I tried not to play the heroes like Samuro that you need to do a million things at once. I didn't play Lost Vikings. I didn't even play like Abathur, which I usually like to play. Um, I played heroes that were usually cheaper heroes that were accessible to everyone. And I showed play styles that were a lot easier. Even like my Lucio build, um, it's you don't even need to wall ride. Um, and, and you can move up in rank with Lucio without even wall riding. Then in the higher ranks, um, I've got advanced strategies that have been used by competitive teams and HGC have been used by competitive teams um, 
in in just about every area and so in the lowest or the highest levels of play you'll be able to find content to help you out um other than that i mean i've got a a stream that i don't stream on but you can follow it uh and uh if you want to follow me anywhere else uh just feel free to google not paradox you can find all of my stuff because they're all under different names but you can find them all on uh on google so uh yeah i appreciate it i i may actually be casting uh a little bit later this week and do something fun on another person's channel but that'll be announced on my twitter when uh when that time comes around uh if everything gets all approved but uh yeah should be should be a lot of fun but no thank you so much for having me again it was a pleasure this was a meaty patch and it was great to have you here to go through it with me this show is supported by our badass patrons over at patreon.com slash itn thank you again to declan h cheesy bob chris k mike c and sean b you can catch this show live on thursdays at 5 p.m eastern 2 p.m pacific no 3 p.m eastern noon pacific at twitch.tv slash tv. Follow the show at ITNCast. You can follow me at Kyle Ferguson. Be sure to check out kyleferguson.com for everything I get up to, including Dungeons & Dragons, Dungeon Master's Guide, podcasts, content for D&D, as well as all the things I'm doing with heroes, like the Heroes Lounge, uh, NGS, the videos for Heroes Hearth. Find links to everything over at kyleferguson.com. When Garrett's here, you can find him over at, well, you can find him anyway, at Garrett Art. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you everyone for listening. Good luck. Have fun. Take care.